0: good day to our listeners all around the world yeah it's us we're back again um it's your boy maestro and here with me is my boy denzel and we're going to be walking you through um basically everything that pertains to football um and transfers um um scores of the previous game week and so on so we are wasting much time let's go into the topics for today and we're going to be starting with transfers potential transfers and the first one on our list is Mikhailo Mudrik to arsenal which is 85 percent done so denzel can you tell us how this would help arsenal or improve arsenal considering their lack of depth depth in squad
1: yeah good afternoon everyone Um, happy to be back and yeah about mudrick He's a very talented player. Um, he's very good with, on both feet, and I think, yeah, he's, he's going to help Arsenal grow um, because, well, we know he's a player that is very, very tricky. He and the way Arsenal are playing now, they're playing wonderful football. He's going to actually help. He's going to give them more, um, more in terms of technicality, because. We know that Arsenal they have a very very strong starting eleven, but beyond that I can't really see much. As now they've lost um, Gabriel Jesus to injury. We are seen Inketia, um, Edin Nketiah coming to replace him, but he doesn't look the part. So, but someone like Mujic, someone like Mujic having him on the bench to replace maybe Martinelli. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's, going, he's someone that will look more of a part when he's coming off the bench to replace him, or in case Martinelli unfortunately picks up an injury or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in Shakta he looks like a mean man. Like he looks like someone who can take the game by the scuff of the neck. Yeah. I've seen some highlights. He's really, really quick. He has been deemed the Champions League fastest player in the group stage. Yeah, he has been the fastest, the quickest player. Um, he scored against Real Madrid and some other clubs, but. Now, the problem between um, Arsenal and Shakhtar is the price because the player has already agreed. He has made it known that he is willing to come to the Emirates. But the problem is with the club, with Shakhtar, Donext. They're asking for over $100 million, but or $88 million to be precise. But Arsenal are making it known that he cannot meet the price. And they're asking for just slightly below below the $70 million mark. And Shakhtar has still proven... Um, stubborn, and um, then do you think Arsenal should put just put the whole hundred million, or we should continue negotiating? Because if things goes on like this, I'm 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 thirty percent sure that the transfer is going to break down. So what do you think we should do?
1: Um, as a Chelsea fan, I actually will not want Arsenal to sign such talented player. <laughs> you guys are actually linked <laughs> to him now, but it's all good. Yeah, um, the thing is that I believe if Arsenal want the player they should go all out to get him. Because right now, talented players are much, like you can't find them everywhere right now. Let's let's put in let's put in these facts that it's only
0: January and we still have other transfer targets. Put in Danilo from Palmeiras, putting put putting Evan Indica. We also have transfer targets to splash money on and it's only the January transfer window. It's not even the summer transfer window yet. So, putting 88 million sounds ridiculous to Edu Gaspar and Mikel Teta. So, let's just see how it goes. Next on our list is Benoit Badia-Shile to Chelsea and it is a done deal. Now, to a Chelsea fan, I'm sure you must be very ecstatic for this
1: transfer. Why Why do you think he's needed in the Chelsea team? To be honest, I... I don't actually know the player that well, and but I see the reason for signing the player. We wanted to go for Vadio, Josko Vadio from RB Leipzig at first, but I think because of the price and because of the number of um, top clubs are coming in for him, and the Enzo Fernandez deal that we actually want that we are actually going for now, I think we had to go for someone else. He's a young player like Vadio. he's cheaper, way cheaper, cost us just, i say, over 55 million euros. Yeah. Yeah, and um, he's a, he plays the same position with Vadio. he's a left-sided centre-back. Yeah. So, he solves the problem, but I think I need to just see more of him before I'm actually convinced that like, he's the right player for us.
0: Yeah, because Chelsea actually practice playing a three-man defence at the back. And due to injuries from, from Wesley Fofana and the lot, is we now see Marku Kurea. We now see Marku kukurea filling in the left hand side of the defense. So I think this 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 transfer is going to cause depth in the Chelsea squad. On to the next one, which now we're going to ask. We're going. This is actually a, uh, an argument the both of us had just before this podcast. My motion says that Chelsea are the ones ruining this transfer window with the amount of money they're spending. And it's just like, I think of it like this transfer, transfer window now is now like a sports brat. Now that anyone can just come and put any amount of money and, and just get away with it. I think Chelsea actually puts in so much for some of a very little player. I'm not saying Enzo Fernandez is a little player, but I think you can offer less. And he's saying that it is Manchester United. Yes, those days when they were going for Paul Pogba and um some others and Sancho. Yeah, I think but now spending five hundred and twenty million in seven months and you ain't even in
1: top ten. What do you what do you want to see? There's nothing you have to see. Look, look, um you talk about us about us not even being in the top four after spending so much top money. Top
0: ten. Top ten. We're not in the top 10.
1: I don't blame the coach. I don't blame the coach. Our coach is currently um Grand Porter. Um Tuko, who bought all those players, is out of the job right now. So I don't actually blame <laughs> Potter right now because those are not his players. He didn't tell the um owner of church that he wanted those players. He wasn't our coach then. So he has to make do with the players he has now. And again, some of our best players are. Currently injured. Kante has been out for a long time. Chiwo didn't get much game time under um, Potter before he got injured. James has been in and out of the team. So, if you look at it, I can't completely blame Potter. Lots of Jersey fans blame Potter, but I can't blame him, put all the blame on him. I can't do that. I believe things will come good. I believe it will come good. The um, owner is just trying to back the manager the best he can. So, he's doing his part. And as for Chelsea being the wants to spoil the chance, I, I that's rubbish to me because, like you said, Manchester United, they spent over 80 million pounds on Popuba, over 80 million pounds on Harry Maguire, close to 80 on Jason Sancho. And there are a lot more players they spent a lot of money on. Real Madrid is spending close to £100 pounds on Orient Tromani, who is just who is not even up to 20 yet. Okay. And the rest. This is this is where my
0: my problem is. This is where my problem is. No offence to any United States of America person listening, but I have to—I just have to admit that the knowledge Americans have for football is not the same as what English people have or other countries. And I think Todd Bowley doesn't have enough soccer, football knowledge. He doesn't have enough football knowledge to come in. And now we're seeing him being rather gullible to be putting sort of 520 million in seven months and you guys are just 10th on the it's 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 not bringing returns that's what I'm, I'm saying it's not bringing returns look
1: if you look at how we've done our business so far once we started we didn't have a technical advisor we didn't have a sporting director to handle all those deals so Boy had to go in for it and at the point we started losing all our at targets to back so, in a way, we had to force all those deals to come, to, like, happen, even though we, it meant spending lots of money. Besides, he was willing to spend the money. So, and now, on in the case of Enzo Fernandez, who is over, who wants to sign for almost, more than his release clause, we are being forced to do it, in a way, because if we don't do it now, other big teams will come, like Madrid and Liverpool. So, we have to do it now, or else someone else would. Yeah, another big team will come and turn his head. And we can't let that happen. He's a wonderful player. We have to get him. Okay, the only thing I can comment Chelsea
0: for is looking to the future with the signings of Umari Hutchinson. That's that's actually a very, very annoying thing for me to say because he was actually my Arsenal boy in the academy. Due to some discrepancies in the contract situation, he couldn't continue at Arsenal and Chelsea stole him. He's jubilating here. I don't know why, but... Let's 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 see where it goes and other um young players. Chelsea has signed other young players looking into the future. Okay, next on our list is the question. I, I want you to answer this question. Is Joscovadiol move to Chelsea potentially failed?
1: Yeah, I think I've answered this question already. Um it's over now because we've signed Shelley and I believe that. But is like a substitute to Vardy. They play the same position. And we can't go for um Badicilli and now go for Vardy again. It's just be actually a dumb thing to do. And we are just wasting money.
0: When has wasting money been a factor in factory or transferring them? <laughs> it's not it's, 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 it is after all it's Chelsea they can spend over 200 million on a 16 year old. If they could have put 200 million for Hendrik, I'm sure they would have gone for it. Okay, the next transfer target is actually a done deal, one that sh- sent shockwaves around Europe. Kodigapo to Liverpool. Now, we're going to be talking about this transfer news so well because Liverpool is a club that has been known to have very good scouts in the previous years, having so good transfer targets. But it has not worked for them, it has not worked for them well. These days, like with the signing of Darwin Nunes, with the signing of Arthur, with the signing of Naby Keita. Don't get me wrong, Naby Keita is very good technically, but he's an injury prone. But so now, do you think Kodi will be able to help? It's a two-parter, it's a two-sided question. Do you think he'll be able to help? And the second part of the question is, who do you think he would bench? Considering the fact that Diogo Jota is still there, Luis Diaz is still there, Darwin Nunes... Um, Roberto Firmino and Mohamed Salah
1: Okay, um, I don't think to be honest, in my opinion I know a lot of people might go against me but I don't think um, Gakpo is going to fit in because I understand um, at PSV, the stats, his stats were wonderful they were excellent but after watching him at the World Cup, I don't know, I just have this feeling that it's just not going to work out for him in the Premier League he doesn't look like a player that's... Because in the Premier League now, f- to be some, a successful player in the Premier League, if you're not a striker, you need to be very, very cheeky. And he doesn't look like someone that has all those... Like, that has tricks in the bag. He doesn't look like that. I just have this feeling that it's not going to work out for him. And also, um... I actually believe he's going to be a bench player. Honestly, I believe he's going to be someone that will come off the bench because I can't see him benching Luis Diaz. Luis Diaz is an excellent player. And except club find a way to maybe pair um, him with maybe like Firmino or Nunes up top, I don't see a way for him in the starting lineup. Well, I, I hate to say it, but I hope this
0: opinion doesn't turn out to be a Rory Jennings opinion. Do you know who Rory Jennings is? Jennings was the person that said, before this season started, he was the person that actually made a statement that Ellen Haaland won't score more than 15 goals in a season. It's Now, we are, we are seeing how outrageous and ridiculous that opinion was. Because he already has more goals than Chelsea has this season. Yeah, he, he, was, he already has more goals than the whole football club. Yeah. So, let's hope your opinion stands. Because I really think... Kodigapo is a player of trickery. He has he might look so tall and lanky, but I've watched him play. I watched him play. He was in the same group with Arsenal in Europa. He caused so much problems in my defense. Here and with the pairing of Javi Simons and um, the lot, he actually has trickery in the bag. He 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 actually takes the game by the scuff of the neck. But well, let's see how he goes. Because in Premier League, you need to have a lot of stamina and a lot of agility too progress in the premier league we've seen people we've seen so many superstars try to improve on that aspect being like mason mount we saw him before this season he actually went to the gym and he actually tried to get ripped like he he made a lot of gym work we saw Bukayo Saka. he has increased in stamina and all of that. so we're going to be talking now about the game Week 19 review and this is this is um this is Wednesday, 4th of January. We're just going to be talking about the games that has already been played. First of all, Brentford 3, Liverpool 1. Trust me, as a national fan and here as a Chelsea fan, we are delighted to talk about this because yes, right. Liverpool is actually a very, very, is actually a very big rival to us, and it's, it's 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 it gives us joy to see that they have dropped points. What do you think was the problem? Because Brentford fans will say no Tony, no problem. Do you think Tony is is a is a rock in the Brentford team, or did they just was it a team performance?
1: Uh, Brentford, it has to have to say it's a team performance because Brentford are the team. We know that they're a wonderful team, Brentford, yeah. very very hard to beat. Their stadium is always rocking every <coughs> every time you go there. Their fans are just ridiculously awesome, and you know. Right now, I have to say Liverpool their biggest problem is in their midfield. Yeah. Lots of people have said it's their midfield. Yeah. Once they sold Jorginho Wijnaldum, their problem started. They couldn't even replace him. They couldn't find a suitable replacement for him. That has really um caused all the issues for them. And the players they're signing now in Cavaliu and Javier, I don't think they fit the billing for them. Because they are technical players, but could they need legs in the midfield. Yeah, yeah. Um, Henderson, the likes of Henderson, James Milner, they don't have the legs. They are, way, they are over 30 years old now. So they don't have the legs to keep up with the high person that young clubs likes to play. Um, then you have um, Thiago Alcantara, who they signed. He's, they signed him when he was 29. He should be 30 now. He, can't, he doesn't have the legs as well. So they need to find the right player. I hear they are going for Bellingham. Bellingham will be the right player for them, and if they can get him, I think yeah they can. They can get him this general chance final, Then I think they will make the top four. But for now, I don't think they are going there. They have lots of problems in that midfield.
0: Yeah, I I actually saw his start yesterday about the big chance chance missed, big chances missed, and guess who's up top. It's the Liverpool signing Darwin Nunes. He has missed 16 big chances. And second, guess who? Mo Salah, with 12 big chances missed. He's just going south for Liverpool now. And let's see. It's, it's just game with 19. Let's see how everything goes in the second half of the season. Next, Arsenal-Newcastle. Yeah, we actually had an uh, um, an argument about this match, um, considering the facts that I think Arsenal were robbed because of the competence of the English referees. First of all, I think the time we seen on the Newcastle side was too outrageous, was too ridiculous, and the penalty claims. I think two of them were supposed to be a penalties, but what can we see? What's done is done. What do you think could have been done differently that match by Arsenal or by Newcastle?
1: Um, I think um. You have to take it into consideration that for Arsenal, Jesus didn't start. So I think that had he started the match, it could have been a totally different game. Mm. But Newcastle still still has the best defense in the Premier League. So yeah. that still couldn't have been the case. It could have still been a new-new. No one knows. But as for the refing, like refing in the game, I didn't watch much of the match. Look, I don't like Arsenal. I'm a Chelsea fan, I don't like us now. So I didn't watch the match. I, I didn't watch all same. of it. I didn't watch all of the match. But f- the part I watched, I believe the he made the right decisions. Um in the um Jacob Murphy and Ambo situation, that's not a penalty for me. He w- the distance between of, of course it's not you're a Chelsea fan. No, 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 no. Leave that out. Leave that out. Um the balls, the distance was too close for it to be an Ambo. That's and that's I... not a factor for. Not counting
0: it as a handball. First of all, his hands are in are not in a natural position. First of all, what was his hand doing out of his side? Come on, the
1: ball is the guys. He was sliding. It
0: doesn't matter. You can't slide with your hands like this. You can't slide like okay If
1: you try it, I bet you can't try it. You can't slide with your hands by your side. Well, I, not seen well, I think
0: it's a penalty. And the second shout was the corner where Gabriel Magalhaes was dragged down. Was basically tackled. Basically tackled to the ground.
1: VR didn't even check it. Okay, I didn't see that tackle. I didn't see it. I so think I can't say anything also. about that. But the ones I saw, I think the free made the right decisions for those in those scenarios. And as for the yellow card, I think the free gave away give out these out too many with yellow cards for my liking. Because I, I want to say it's because of the atmosphere of the stadium. Maybe he was pressurized into making those decisions. I don't know. But I believe that's the only place where I saw flaws in him. But as for the penalty decisions, I believe he was right there.
0: Okay, the next game, as the Goodison park, Everton won, Brighton and Hove Albion beyond nil. I just want to point out the fact that uh, you might find this opinion very far-fetched. But I see Brighton as a better dark horse to Newcastle. I see. I I still think that if Brighton should play Newcastle, I think Brighton will actually come out on top. It's just circumstance that has made them fall down and Newcastle third on the table. I think Roberto De Zerbi is actually doing a fantastic job. They, when they played Arsenal, of course we came out with the win, but they stretched us so many times. They threatened to equalize when it was four-one. They scored the second one, we'll scored the third one, but it was disallowed. But what do you think, Brighton? What do you think the secret to Brighton's success is?
1: Look, um, you are I believe you are waiting, Brighton, based on their performance against Arsenal. That is, that's why I believe because I'm not actually because
0: I saw their performance, the 3-3 performance against Liverpool. I saw, Liverpool is not good. <laughs> I saw the narrow loss to City. When they lost narrowly to City, I saw their performance. They were so good. And I've seen most of their matches this season, and their their passing ability, their ability to work out the ball in tight spaces is phenomenal. Trust me when I say it. Okay, now um, I want to
1: now compare you campaign Newcastle to vi- seeing that Brighton is a better dark horse. Um, to Newcastle, I'm what I'm going to say concerning that now is that yeah, I'm sure you are using those matches, those the Man City match, Liverpool match, yeah. the Arsenal match. Yeah, to beat Brighton but I believe Newcastle have actually done better. Yeah, um, Vighton went to Manchester home and actually played very, very well. Yeah, but very they lost 3 well. 1. Newcastle had to make it to Masty, Lord 3 3. Newcastle went to Liverpool's home, could have easily come away with the win or at least something, but they were but in their hand. Yeah, they were robbed. I believe they were robbed. They, were free. they gave too much time. They gave too much time at that time up um, on top at that time which shouldn't have been the case and also they had key players out like Semaxima, Wilson. Um they had to go with their Isak. new stri- um, striker Alexander Isak. they had Demarese out, there are lots of key players out even Miguel Ammon so I believe the club got something out of that match going to Arsenal Zoom they played very, very well they defended very well Um when Arsenal go to their stadium you know how the judges are they are They will just make the place unbearable for Arsenal. They can beat Arsenal easily, in my opinion. I beg to differ. (laughs) Look, what I'm just trying to say is Brighton lost matches in their home. Why Newcastle? They've been losing matches in their home. They play well but they lose in their home. And we know that they are very very good for go forward, but they're not that tight at the back. Yeah. While Newcastle they're ex- excellent go forward and excellent at the back as well. well. so I believe Newcastle can do better. Newcastle is a better team. Well, uh-huh. my
0: my opinion on Brighton is backed up on the form on the um, fact that I love beautiful football because I see Arsenal play beautiful football and Brighton plays beautiful football. Their passing prowess is, is so good. Okay, moving on to the next one. Leicester City nil, Fulham won. Another goal by Alexander Mitrovic. Now the gold, I'm going to we're going to be talking about the Golden Boot stands. Of course, you know the winner is going to be Erling Haaland. But the next the next person is actually between um, Ivan Tony, Harry Kane, and Mitrovic. Who do you think will come out on top in the long run? Because I think Harry Kane might just miss out. It's between Maybe Mitrovic or Ivan Toni, but they're not in a good
1: club. But what do you think will happen at the end? I, I think Mitrovic is going to come up terms because um, we all know about the situation that Ivan Toni is having right now. One, he picked up an injury and also there is um something about one betting allegation, yeah, betting allegation now. So I think that might affect him, even if it doesn't um, keep him out of the team. I don't know. I just feel like he's a human being. Even though he's been handling situations like this well in the past. He's still a human being. This might impact him in a way, in a way. Maybe not too much, but it will have an impact on the way he's playing. So, I believe that might have an impact. So, Mitrovic, is just flying right now. He's just going, keeps scoring, doesn't stop. Yeah. So, I believe Mitrovic is going to come second in the Golden Book rankings.
0: Okay, no no arguments there. I also think Mitrovic is going to come out second. But and lastly, we're going to be talking about Manchester United 3 Bournemouth nil. Now, the highlight of this game for me is Marcus Rashford because he has actually been flying. Goals after goals, assist after assist. Do you think he's in his prime now? Do you think he actually, he has actually found his prime now or is there still something to come? Is there still massive potential in front?
1: I think there's more to come from Marcus Rashford because last season he was still the last season. doubt, doubt, I don't think anyone argued with me. He was still the last season. Um, maybe that was down to lack of confidence. Um, But I believe there's more to come because Ten Hag is looking like a wonderful manager, we saw what he did at Ajax, maybe more, lots of people must have been like, Ajax the club where, like, you must win the league or else you've not achieved anything, because we know that in the Dutch league it's just Ajax and PSV, but what is in our mind now shows that he actually could have, that he's that with the manager, that it's not just because the league is easy that he wants, but because of the um talent he has as a coach, so I believe that he's going to make Marcus vas better he's a very very good coach a discipliner a disciplina a disciplinarian sorry um uh, <laughs> sorry about that so I believe that he's going to make marcus va better
0: okay another another argument another argument in the footballing world now is the The power tussle between defensive midfielders. We actually had the arguments just before this podcast. And now I'm actually trying to tell him that the best defensive midfielder in the league so far, I'm not just saying it's because of sentiment because I'm an Arsenal fan, but it has to be Thomas Partey. And he's telling me it's um, Casemiro. Of course, I know Casemiro has played a pivotal part in Man U's success. But I think Thomas Patti has, has, has actually been a very, very big um, reason that Arsenal, has, is, Arsenal is where they are. Because he has scored some bangers this season. He has been solid in the middle of the pack. Um, don't get me wrong, Casemiro too is, is, is there. But I'm looking at the goals, I'm looking at where his team is, and I'm looking at his performance per game. There are some times when Manu wins and Casimiro blanks, but every single game, party is a highlight to be watched. I
1: don't agree with you. I don't agree. Um, Casimiro, without Casimiro, I believe Manu will not be where they are right now. Because for so long, everyone has been saying that Manchester United, they need a world-class team to succeed. And we even saw that at the start of the season, they were terrible, they lost to Brighton and so on. Their first game, they lost. Okay. To Brentford for new in their second game. Then um they now signed Casimiro. They signed Casimiro. He didn't play the um after they signed him, he couldn't play because of some issues. They then beat Liverpool. Then since he started playing, they've been wonderful. The match he didn't play against Manchester City, they I, lost it.
0: I think his 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 performance boost was the goal against Chelsea. They the the last minute winner uh, the last minute equalizer against Chelsea that was when he started having highlights I think party has been so good throughout the
1: season and I think Casemiro is inconsistent I have to disagree with you once again Casemiro has been wonderful like even when he doesn't score even even before that goal whenever he plays he's been very very good he's he stands out he shows why the team needs him week in week out he does it Constantly, consistently. See, look, Um, I know you are coming from with Thomas Partey, but Partey has been at Arsenal for like two, two years, let's say two and a half years now. But once he started, he wasn't that good. But Kazimou from the start has been, he has been, he has, been just, he has just been wonderful for Man And I be, look, I believe that if he move Thomas Partey from the Arsenal team, and he move Kazimou from the Man team, you will notice the absence of Casimiro more than you notice the absence of Thomas Pati.
0: Well, I think your opinion is based on the fact that it's based on sentiment, based, no, on, the no, fact, no, no. based on the fact that Casimiro is a, is a Champions League winner, not that. he's a Madrid player, and all. But I, I don't blame you, it's,
1: look, our, it's our opinion. Look, look, you're getting me all wrong. I'm not seeing. Leaving leave out the fact that he's a Champions League winner, we know all his achievements, you know all the titles he has won with Madrid, and all. But leaving those things out. We all knew that Manu needed a DM and they finally gotten a 1, a world class DM. We are seeing what he's bringing to the table. His range of passing is excellent. He's scoring, he's even scoring goals now. He's defending very, very well for the team. He's helping the back line. Sometimes even deployed um, as a centre back for the Manu. So, I believe that he's bringing more to the Manchester United team than Thomas Pate. And if they were to give a, an award for DM of this season, Casemiro has to be the one too
0: i disagree with you but let's see how it goes and that's going to be all for today we're going to be back sooner than you expect anticipate our next episode it's been it's been awesome to talk to you it's your boy maestro peace